with me to Matthew the 12th chapter. Matthew the 12th chapter. If you ever listen to Keith Moore preach or teach, he, he usually always tells people to, to turn to two openings. He calls them openings. And um, he always gets his first and second passage uh, queued up. Amen. So um, we're going to begin in Matthew 12 and then turn back a couple of chapters and spend most of our time together this morning in Matthew the 10th chapter. But let's begin here in Matthew chapter 12. And we'll just look at one verse, Matthew 12 and 30. Matthew 12 and 30. It says this, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. I want to read it to you again, pointing out, of course, that this is written in red. This is Jesus speaking. This is truth personified speaking truth. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Just to review and build upon where we started last week, we said that Jesus, of course we're celebrating His birth, His arrival, His coming to this earth, this Christmas season. We said that Jesus is the most influential person who ever lived. Time counted up to His birth, started over again after His birth. This is 2018, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. We see that in addition to being the most influential person who ever lived, that He was also and remains also to be the most polarizing person. And by polarizing, if that's a new word to you, we just think uh, pushing people to opposite ends um, of, the, of, the, of the spectrum. And Jesus had not only an influential effect upon this world that cannot uh, be removed or changed, He also has become, again, the most polarizing. We said that He's the light of the world, but for some, His light illuminated their hearts. Others were blinded by His light. We said He was the Word made flesh. And for some, His Word melted their hearts. And others, we see His Word hardened their hearts. We see that He is the chief cornerstone. Some have built their lives upon Him and are now experiencing daily success and victory, while others, the Bible says, that stone was a stumbling block, a rock of offense that fell upon them and ground them to powder. And so when we say Jesus was the most polarizing person that ever lived, we see that ultimately it's a person's response to Him. It's your attitude towards Him, amen, that determines whether or not He softens your heart or He hardens your heart, whether or not He shines light into you or His light blinds you, whether His, his truth and His ways become the foundation for your life or ultimately, as Jesus said, um, of Judgment Day, you already have the words that will one day judge you. Amen. In other words, it'll all come back to and be based upon how we respond to Him, to the gift that He is to us, and to the life that He came to make available to us. Now, this verse here, Matthew 12 and 30, is um, about as direct... Um, and is about a, a divisive verse as you'll find. As far as what I mean by divisive, just spelling it out where, where the line in the sand is drawn. And so Jesus says that if you're not with him, you're against him. You, you, you do not have the option of being indifferent towards him. 
you do not have the option of you know, riding the fence um, and taking a wait-and-see approach. He's saying that if you're not actively engaged in what he's actively engaged in, and if you're not actively standing for what he stands for, then you're, you're in a position uh, opposed to him. You're, you're against him. You're, you're um, amen. <laughs> and and uh, but what, we, we might say it this way, if I could just paraphrase this verse and, and put it in common language. You're either, a, uh, you're either part of the answer or you're the problem. And that's what he's saying here. You're, you're, you're either helping bring in, gather in, or whether you understand it or not, whether you see it this way or not, whether you have a different opinion or not, if you're not helping gather and bring people to what God created them for, then you're actually a part of the problem and are actually scattering people and pushing them further away. Wow. Now, turn with me, if you will, to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Praise God. Matthew chapter 10. And... Um, and let's begin at verse number 32. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 32. Can I, can I just talk to you for just a moment? Because um, these, these messages are, are, are pretty heavy messages. They're, they're extremely important messages. And they're sobering. They're, they're uh, um, you know, kind of has a tendency to, to get up in your grill a little bit, you know. Um, and, and I'm, I'm not wanting, you know, for it to come across in that way because um, there's good news here. Amen. There's an invitation here. There's an opportunity here that, that I want to make sure that, that you see and understand. Um, and if you haven't yet taken advantage of the opportunity, that, that, that you will um, and, and will very, very quickly. Um, there's, there's nothing worse than a fussing preacher. Amen. I think a fussing preacher is worse than a fussing spouse. Amen. And, um, and so please don't, don't think that, that I'm here to fuss at you this morning. This isn't about, this isn't about fussing. Amen. It's, it's, it's about the opportunity that, that is before us and the importance of our understanding um, our response. In other words, the importance of, of your response, the importance of my response because um, you know, we live in a, in a world and, and in a religious age where, where we're always trying to put the ball back on, on God's side of the court. We're always trying to say that it's up to Him. We're always trying to you know, talk about what God allows and, 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 we're, and waiting on God and, and these kinds of things. And, and brother, sister, that's just such a broken, outdated, wrong approach um, to life in general, but, but specifically a, a, a life that God created you, the life that God created you to live. Um, he said, whatever you allow on earth, whatever you bind on earth. He, 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 if you think you're waiting on him, you're wrong. He's, he's waiting on you. He's, he's already extended his hand to you. He's waiting for you to extend your hand back to Him. He's already given His best to you. He's waiting for you to give your best to Him. He, he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I mean, we could just go on and on and on with that. So, you know, we, we've got to get out of this idea that, you know, we're just kind of 
biding our time and doing whatever we want to do until God gets ready to do something else. My friend, please, the enemy has deceived you if you think that's how this works. Um, he's calling you uh, this morning. And, and, and the reason that the Bible says we need to recognize that He chose us, that we didn't choose Him. Back to that song this morning, I'm chosen, I am who you say that I am. See, the, the, the subconscious, whatever, if, if we continue to look at this like we chose Him, we found Him, then, you know, we are who we think we are, right? Remember what they asked Jesus, the religious establishment says to Jesus, they said, they said well, who do you make yourself out to be? Oh, how they betrayed them, how they revealed, in other words, betrayed their own mindset, revealed their own mindset there. Because that's the way religion works, right? Who do you make yourself out to be? And they want to know who Jesus was making himself out to be. Man, it ain't who you make yourself out to be. It's who he made you. It's who you are in him. Amen. It's who he chose you to be before the foundations of the world and gave you grace and purpose, eternal grace and purpose, uh, with, with the wherewithal to walk that out and, and carry that out. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 10, before I begin at verse 32, look at me one more time, okay? I'm going to ask you to keep an open heart in mind this morning, and, and, and I want you, by the Holy Spirit, to see these verses maybe in a light, maybe in a way that you've never seen them before, okay? All right, so let me just read them all and we'll come back and comment. Matthew chapter 10, let's begin at verse 32. Jesus speaking again. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. All right, so before I go any further, just... Look at me for a moment, all right? Do you see again when we say polarizing? Um, Jesus came to separate the sheep from the goats. He came to separate those who want him and want his best for them from those who don't want him. He, he, he came, uh, and the Bible says, listen, I don't, I'm not trying to be controversial this morning. You know, people believe that Jesus come back any second now. Um, I guess he could. I used to think that, but based on what the scriptures are, are teaching, um, I think there's still a lot of work to be done before Jesus comes back, according to the Word of God. Um, but what we do know is that we are nearer the end today than we have ever been. And that's not just because we're a day closer to it than we were yesterday. That's because the Bible says that what we're seeing and what we're experiencing, we are those generations upon whom the end of the age has come. So we, we are near the end. Um, you know, again, I'm not even here, it would be foolish for me to even try to project some kind of time frame or season or bracket. Um, but we are those upon whom the end of the age has come. All right? Now, when... When we talk about the end compared to the whole, we see that this is a, you know, man's history on planet Earth is a fairly lengthy history, at least as relative to our position in it, amen? Now, relative to God, it's a brief history, but relative to our position, it's, it's, a, it's a long history, thousands of years, amen? And, and what the Scriptures do for us is they put the whole thing in context for us. The Lord spoke to us earlier this year 
He said we need to begin to understand this life as both a proving ground and a training ground. Because what began in a garden ends in a wedding feast. What began with the creation of man ends with all the descendants of Adam who have chosen Jesus above all else and are to be made one with Him for all of eternity, the body of Christ. Amen. And we need those two bookends, if you will, not that... Again, not trying to be controversial, I believe that there was history for this planet um, that preceded what we're experiencing now um, based upon what the Bible teaches, based upon fossil records. But I also believe that there, according to the Scriptures, this is a no-brainer. If you, if, you, know, you don't have to look hard in the Bible to find this, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, the earth will not always be as it is right now. Somebody say amen to that, right? Somebody say amen to that again. Amen. We, we've never lived in a world like we're going to live in on this planet one day. Now, we're going to heaven, but we're coming back here. You do know that, right? We're coming back here. And Jesus is going to rule this planet with an iron fist of love. Amen. <laughs> it's going to be love. Amen. And the knowledge of him is going to cover this earth like the waters cover the seas. Amen. And, and the lion and the lamb are going to lay down together. My grandbabies can play with snakes and it won't bite them. Amen. Amen. And that day's coming. We've never lived in a place like that. We, we, we don't even know what to think about when we think about a place like that. Amen. Amen. But this age, this dispensation, this time frame, this, this earth history that we're living in right now, it's all for a purpose. It's all for a greater purpose. And I think at the very least from that, we, we understand that the greater purpose is a body for our head and a groom, a bride for our groom. Amen. Those who will be one, who will be one with him. Amen. So when we see things like Jesus saying, you think I came to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. He is the Prince of Peace. We'll be forever. But when he says he came to bring a sword, he's talking about dividing. He's talking about um, separating the sheep from the goats. I like to simplify it if I could, and this is just what's been churning in my spirit here for the last several weeks. He, he's come to separate those who want him from those who don't. It's time to choose. I was thinking about this the other yesterday, as a matter of fact. I, I think I quoted this. It's one of them long Jerry Clower stories that turns out to be a joke. It was when, was it Marcel that was treed the possum, and he, or one of, the, one of his funny relatives that climbed up in the tree to get the, the possum or the raccoon, and, and um, all of a sudden that animal turned on him, and he told him, he said, you know, fire, shoot, shoot this possum. They said, we might hit you. He said, fire up in here amongst us. One of us needs some relief. Right? In other words, if, if you hit the possum, good. But if you hit me, that's okay because we can't keep going like this. And, and that's basically, Jesus brought the sword because it ain't going to continue like this forever at some point. And he's long-suffering. God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the reality is not everybody is going to. So Jesus brought a sword. And what separates one from the other is, again, 
individual response to the gift that is God's Son to this world. Let's keep reading. Verse 35. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Let me stop right here. It's not that he's trying to bring, it's not that his goal or desire is for there be, to be turmoil in a family. But if one member of that family believes Jesus is the Son of God and others believe that he's a fake and a, and a, and a fraud and a phony, it's, it's going to cause division in that family. That's what he's saying here. If, if, the, if the daughter-in-law thinks her mother-in-law is a nut because she believes in Jesus, and, and, and are you following what I'm saying? Then that's going to create this rift, if you will. It's going to create this division. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He's not... In other words, his, his ultimate goal is for there to be peace and harmony and love in a home. Amen. But you can never have that apart from Him. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Praise God. What we see in, in the Gospel of John is where... Um, let me just read it to you. John chapter 12. Don't turn there. Just stay in Matthew. John 12 and 42, 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Him, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogues. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So notice now, you've got highly, highly educated men who know the Scriptures, who know the prophecies, who understand and have recognized, personally witnessed Jesus perform miracles. They believed, you know what, this guy, this guy is, is very well the Messiah. But they did not publicly confess Him because they loved their positions. They loved um, you know, their life within the synagogue. They loved their, their status. They, 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 re they realized that in order to confess Jesus and embrace Him and who He really was, was going to bring a sword to, to, to their cute little life. It was going to turn the apple cart um, of, of, of their families upside down. Uh, these men who had studied their whole lives to, to serve in that synagogue um, would lose their jobs, potentially, if, if they confessed Jesus and, and would have people turn against them. Amen. And so instead of going after um, Jesus and, and the life that He offered them, in spite of believing in Him, they, they never confessed. And I think He summed it up really well when He says they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. This is what He's talking about here. He's, it's, he's not saying, as some would suggest, that you shouldn't love your mother and your father. No, he's just saying that if, if, if you're more interested in your family and what your family can do for you than Jesus and what He came to do for you, you're not deserving of Him. You've, in other words, you've made your choice. You've made your choice. To understand this, now... Even in this country, family means different things in different places this country. And certainly family means different things in different places around the world. Um, here in the United States of America, we're seeing, we're seeing family ties become looser and looser um, as, as years pass by. And just for the record, I'm, I'm not a super big fan of that, okay? But to understand this... In the context it was originally given, you have to understand the importance of family in Jesus' day. Family was everything. I mean, you know, these, 
you were talking about somebody being clannish. Man, they were, they were clannish. And if you didn't have the support of your family, if you were disinherited from your family, if you, if you were rejected by your family, you, you, you know, naturally speaking, it was like a hopeless situation. Families were very tight-knit groups. Family, we could say it this way, family was everything. And that's not just some Facebook post there. I mean, they, they literally meant that. And so this was a very, very difficult choice um, in a devout Jewish family who disagreed that Jesus was the Messiah for you to be the lone wolf, so to speak, for you to break from that pack and, 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 and embrace Jesus and confess Him as, as Lord and Savior. Are you with me this, this morning? So we'll come back to this maybe this evening, but notice that Jesus is saying that if you, if you love father, mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. In other words, if you're going to choose your family over me, I keep going back and forth on this. I'm going to go ahead and say it. We've seen it so many times. Those of you who have been here at Heritage over the years, you know, we've seen so many folks who, who, you know, come out of a, like a non-Pentecostal church. They, they, they come here seeking, uh, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and some of the things that, that um, their church doesn't believe in or, or practice or teach. And, and um, they, they realize that there's more to a relationship with God than what they're experiencing, what they've been told what's being offered to them in, in, in the family of faith that they're, they've been a part of. And so, you know, they come here hungry for those things. They come here seeking for those things um, only to have such tremendous pressure applied to them by their family or by their, their former pastor or, their, or the, the pastor that, uh, you, you follow what I'm saying? And, and so it's like, look, we're just, we're just going back, you know. <laughs> we're just going back. And, and, and that, that, you know, peer pressure isn't just something that teenagers experience in middle school. Hello? Amen. When we talk about peer pressure, the, 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 the peer pressure that comes from religion is some of the most uh, powerful, even to this day, um, that, you, that you'll ever face um, or uh, deal with. Amen. So this choice then that he's talking about is, is where we uh, put him above everything else in our lives. Let me keep moving here. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me, again, is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives uh, me receives him who sent me, and that will be his father. And again, that's uh, a very powerful oneness verse right there in verse number 40. All right, in the time that we've got left, let's just go back up to verse 32 and we'll work our way through some of this. Therefore, Jesus said in verse 32, whoever confesses me before me and him, I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before me and him, I will also deny before my father who is in in heaven. Now, verse 10 contains a phrase used by Jesus that is um, at best very challenging to translate. And we waded off into it last um, Sunday evening. And uh, let's just say in my personal debriefing session with the Holy Spirit after that, that message, I, I was not really satisfied with, with how well um, 
we, you know, I explained that um, in that in that sermon. And to be honest with you, this is the this is the simple conclusion. We can talk about things like Trinity and 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 God speaking the world into existence, but when it's all said and done, you'll never understand it unless you understand it by faith. And that's not that doesn't mean check your brain at the door. It just means that some things are so purely spiritual in nature that there's nothing on this planet that we can use to try to illustrate or say it's, it's like this. In other words, there's no parable, there's no comparable um, for us to relate it to, to get us close to make that, that jump into um, the, uh, the, the spiritual truth that's, that's being breathed into us, that's being communicated to us by these verses. Okay, I feel some of you slipping away, so come on back now. All right, come on back in. This is really, really important, all right? So I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to you in, the, in a couple of different translations. And, and first of all, Matthew 10, 32 from the Young's literal translation. And it says this, Everyone, therefore, who shall confess in me before men, I also will confess in him before my Father who is in the heavens. Okay? Now, when you look at a literal translation and I think Young's literal is one, of the, is one of the better ones. But if you look at any literal translation of the Bible, um, it's, it's going to read awkwardly. It's, it's not going to tend to follow some of the, the, the ways that we would say things. But again, the idea behind the literal translation is for you to literally hear, if Jesus was speaking English, what he would have said and how he would have said it. Now, notice that we often use the expression, believe in Jesus. Those who believe in me. Amen. And even when we use that expression, I don't think we fully understand what, what we're saying. Because again, believe in. Are you following what I'm saying? The idea is believing into Him. Uh, in other words, you're outside of Him, but by believing on Him, you believe in Him. You actually become in Him, in Christ Jesus, through uh, accepting His sacrifice, accepting the gift that He is to us. We believe in Him. But here, the word is not believe in, but who shall confess in me before men. Notice he says, as we keep reading, I also will confess in Him before my Father. So he's talking about this mystery, if you will, but is, is genuine in every respect, that when we receive salvation, we become in Christ, in Him, and He in us. We're in Him, He's in us. We're in Him, He's in us. This is, this is the very foundation for what we've been talking about now for several weeks. Our oneness with Him. Amen. So, but now, though, he's saying confess in him. He's, he's not just, thank you, Jesus. This is where it starts breaking down as far as trying to say it right. Amen. He's, he's not just talking about this, this like, um, you know, following some uh, rote, you know, where you just, you know, repeat after me. That, that he's talking about something much greater, much deeper, much more profound than that. All right? Let's, maybe this will help you. Let's look at two more. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, this time from the Amplified Version. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me out of a state of oneness with me, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven and confess that I am abiding in him. 
and we will confess that I am abiding in Him. Now, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself, and we're going to come back and fill in some of these blanks. But Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. Okay? Now, a lot of times when we hear this expression, if you abide in me, amen, what we, I think, fail to factor in to that statement, and, and it's a given if you understand what else the Bible has to say on this subject, is that when we're born again, Jesus comes by the Holy Spirit to reside in you. Amen. And now you become located in Him. So when He says, if you abide in Me, if you abide in Me, the, the if here, again, the ball is in your court. Are you following me? Amen. He's talking about something that you choose. He's talking about something you either do or do not do. Amen. Now, there would be those who, and I, and I personally would think that they're wrong, not just on opinion, but based upon the, the whole of what the Bible has to say about our salvation. Our abiding in Him, amen, is not based upon our works or our performance. We become one with Him through the new birth. We could say it legally. We uh, are, are one with Him. And, and we did nothing to earn that or deserve that. We just simply called upon His name to be saved. And, and He made that blessed transaction take place deep inside of us. So when Jesus says, if you abide in me, he's not just talking about salvation or the salvation experience, but he's talking about you know, each day of our lives, us setting our hearts and minds, affections and attentions upon him. Amen. He said it this way in the Old Testament, if you delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. So again, delighting ourselves in Him is choosing to find our joy in Him. It's, it's choosing to, to, to give Him place in our lives, in every aspect of our lives, every moment of our lives. Amen. That's the idea of abiding in Him. Let me say it another way. Until you're born again, it's impossible for you to abide in Him. Amen. So you've got the legal aspect of your salvation. If, that's, if that confuses you, think of it this way. You can be legally married, but, but not have even spoken to your spouse in three years, much less lived under the same roof with them. Right? So you have the legal aspect of marriage, but then you've got the vital aspect of marriage. Are you with me? And so vital is, you know, daily living with, enjoying the company of, growing in, in, in oneness and, and, and relationship with, with your spouse. Amen? So legal vital. Amen. So we have to understand our salvation in that way as well. You've got the part that God did by the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has already done for you. Amen? That has made you one with Him. Jesus said it this way, Come to me, I'll give you rest. Learn of me, and you will find rest for your souls. Whom the Son has set free, right, will be, shall be free indeed. It's one thing to be given freedom. It's one thing to be given rest. It's another thing to learn how to live in the rest that's yours. It's another thing to be, it's one thing to be given freedom. It's another thing to learn how to live like a free man. 
It's one thing to abide in Him. It's another thing to understand what you and, and I need to do on a daily basis to abide in Him vitally, not legally. I'm offering to you that all of this that Jesus is talking about here has more to do with the vital day-to-day -day aspect of your relationship with Him as opposed to the legal side of your salvation. Remember, Jesus said this. He said, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. By definition, the least in the kingdom, according to Jesus again, is the one who's been born again, but is breaking the commandments and teaching other people to do it. I mean, we, we would talk we, we talk about a rebel rouser here, right? But still, this is someone who has legally been born again. Now, this is not someone who is abiding in a vital sense in him. Am I losing you? All right, let me get back to this. Praise God. I'm about out of time. You get anything out of this so far? So let's go over this in the Amplified. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men, that's a key word, acknowledge. We talk about confess. Acknowledges me before men and confesses me out of a state of oneness with me. There's an, see, we... We have this problem. We, Jesus said it. He said, you search the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And you miss that all of those Scriptures are leading you to me. They're leading you to a relationship. They're leading you to fellowship, personal fellowship with Jesus and with the Father. But we have a tendency to, to look at these verses like some, some kind, kind of checklist, like some kind of litmus test, trying to figure out if we're somehow, even if it's in a backhanded sort of way, fulfilling this so that we can be saved. And we're missing the heart of it. We're, we're missing... We're missing what Jesus is, is trying to breathe into us. He said that the, that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In other words, we're so focused on the letter that we're missing the heart of what He's saying. We're, we're so caught up in whether or not this means we're going to heaven or hell, whether or not this means we're sinning or we're not, we're missing the whole reason He came. It's not just about heaven or hell. It's not just about whether this is a sin or not. It's about fellowship. It's about Him loving you and Him wanting you to love Him back. Whoever acknowledges me before men and confesses out of a state of oneness with me, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven and confess that I am abiding in him. Last verse, Matthew 10 and 32 from the Weiss translation. The Weiss is more of a literal translation like the Young's literal. Everyone therefore who is of such a character that he will confess me before men in the realization of and in testimony to his oneness with me, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven in the realization of and testimony to my oneness with him. Amen. Amen. So many in the church 
keep making the same mistake. And it's time for it to end, and it's time for it to end today. And that mistake is this. We only consider our salvation in light of what we've been delivered from. And we never consider it in light of what we've been brought into. So we come to verses like this and we look at it from the position of from instead of to. He brought you from darkness to light. He brought you from death to life. He brought you from the devil's kingdom to his. He brought you from outside of Christ into Christ, right? He brought you from separation from Him. He brought you out of being separated from Him, spiritual death, into becoming one and being one with Him. So we look at these verses and we go through them, do this kind of checklist thing in our mind, you know, um, and making Him a priority, this, that sort of... And, and, we, and we look at it in, in, the, in a completely wrong light. Singers and musicians, if you would, please come. The Holy Spirit said this. He said, he said so, so many are so focused on what happens when they die that they're missing what could be and should be happening while they live. So caught up in this heaven or hell question that, that we, we, we put everything in that context. Jesus didn't say, whoever confessed me before men. He didn't, see, he didn't say it like it was at the end looking back to see if you had ever done it. Whoever confesses me. He's talking about right now. He's, he, he, you, say, you say, well, I thought we had to confess Jesus in order to be saved. That's right. But one and done might be enough to get you to heaven when you die, but one and done is not going to be enough to get everything that He paid such a high price for you to have in your life reality right now. Jesus is representing you before the Father right now. He's either confessing you or denying you before the Father right now. And that's based upon whether or not you are confessing your oneness with Him right now. We get so caught up in eternal destination that we lose all sight of daily victory. We get so caught up in eternal destination that we, we absolutely lose sight of daily destiny. Daily purpose. My friend, did Jesus bleed to death naked on a cross so you could go to heaven one day when you die? Absolutely. But if that was all there was to it, you have sure missed. Amen. Because he also died on a cross so that you could have victory and success and abundance in your life today. Now. Now. Now, amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Unto you, he says, a child is born. Unto, unto you, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. A son has been given. It's easy for us to say he was given to the world. But this morning, one of the most important things you can ever do is personalize it. Because this Jesus who was given to the world was at the same time given to you. Personally, individually. The most influential and at the same time the most polarizing person who ever lived. If you're not for him this morning, you're against him. If you're not pulling with him, you're pulling against him. If you're not part of the answer, then you're part of the problem. He's not saying that to condemn you. He's not saying that to to anger you or offend you. He's trying to help you see what reality really is instead of what this world has shaped it to be or what religion has told us it was. The good news this morning is this. We can pull with him. We can work with Him. We, we, can, we can choose Him. We can confess in Him this morning our oneness with Him before the Father. Just curious this morning, if there's anyone here, you say, Pastor Mark, I've never been born again. I've never received Jesus as my Savior, but this morning, I'd, I'd like to do that. I'm not asking you to join this church or move a letter, none, none of that stuff. All that's ad, administrative religious stuff. This is about your response to the gift of Jesus given personally, individually to you. You say, I've never accepted him for myself, Pastor Mark, but I'd like to do that this morning. If you're here, could I just see your hand? So that's me, Pastor. Never been born again, but today's my day. Anybody? Anybody? Amen. Father, you see all these beautiful men and women standing before you. Father, I thank you. I thank you this morning that we're the body of Christ. Of his flesh and of his bones. Not figuratively, but literally. It's not like we're one with him, we're one with him. It's not like we're kind of a part of some church or a part of some organization. No. We're one body with Him and individually members of one another. Father, teach us the heart behind what Jesus was saying in Matthew, the 10th chapter. Help us understand the desire that you have to fellowship with us, to be one with us, to live as one with us. Father, we know that there will be persecution because of it, Jesus said, but it's not even worth mentioning compared to the glory and to the joy unspeakable 
that's being revealed in us. Father, help us this morning if there be anyone among us who is choosing the praises of other people over your praises. If we've decided to please people instead of pleasing you. Teach us to walk worthy of this indescribable gift that we've been given. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's worship him one last time together before we're dismissed. As always, these altars are open for you. If you'd like for us to pray with you, we'd be happy to do that. Let's just give the Holy Spirit a moment to speak to us as we, as we worship him in his presence.